Hello, sweet summer children. You've stumbled upon another wonderful episode of the podcast Peep This Noise, a roundtable discussion about the culture we love to hate and hate to love. I'm Logan Johnson, and across the airways, because of quarantine, we have our other two co-hosts. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yep. Hi, I'm Greg Marchant. Um, I'm Nathaniel Johnson. I was going to look up a cool Japanese name for myself that, you know, would just translate to what my name translates to, but... You I know. feel like that would be easier said than done. Right? But <laughs> I don't know I, if it I analogs get, that way. I didn't get to it. And yeah, I don't think that works exactly the exactly the same way. Yeah, I don't think that, no, was, just, that would work out. I'll, I'll just give myself the nickname of Kami. You're just like slamming your name into Google Translate, hoping for the best. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so, Logan, you missed that joke. That was a good joke, and you missed it. Oh, no, really? that wasn't a good joke. Yeah, uh, so I type I typed in the uh, what my name means, uh, which Nathaniel means gift of God in Hebrew, and I was like, well, Nathaniel's just gonna be like okay. Nathaniel in Japanese, but if I do gift of God, it'll do that, and so of course brought up three words, and the first of which was Kami, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just go with Kami. Kami's my new nickname. Uh, Kami is God. Oh, that uh, seems bad. Nathaniel <laughs> has to our listeners. Nathaniel has a high opinion of himself. Very much so. If you haven't yeah, gathered so that seems. by this point, <laughs> so it seems. Uh, I'm yeah, in all the so, fan well, art, I better be called Kami instead of Nathaniel. So I'm if you're going to proclaim yourself to be some kind of... <laughs> if you're going to proclaim yourself to be uh, some kind of, like, divine or, like, creator figure, please wait until our Wheel of Time fan cast when you can <laughs> proclaim yourself the Dragon Reborn. Ooh, that's, um, good. that's good. In our bonus episodes. But that's not this episode. This episode we're going to be talking about an anime selected for us by Greg. We alluded to it, I think, a couple weeks ago, and then we went full send on it last week. Uh, we're talking about Toradora! Exclamation point. Uh, stylized with the exclamation point. Uh, which yep. I just learned. Super Logan, exciting. you the clock, you know it's time for our special celebration. Yes, I know. I'm just trying it's to do a time. podcast here, is is what I'm doing. <laughs> but hey, I, we'll... I, I'm really excited to talk about Toradora, so we're going to ignore the clock in the background. <laughs> yeah. Greg, do you want to give us an introduction to it? Yeah, so this is my favorite anime. Um... And we're, uh, I'll, I'll just give the, the elevator pitch for it. It's a, it's essentially, um, it's essentially, it's essentially the two most feared people in school make a, make a compact to each help the other one in their romantic pursuit of the other's best friend. Oh, that's such a good description of the show. And, um, they, uh, and it's, it's a rare for anime it's one consistent plot that follows these characters and their adventures through their ju- uh through their basically entire junior year of high school um and we have all watched the first season of it now so we're going to talk about it uh today and then um, next yeah. time we plan to do season 2 right yeah so next yeah, time that'll be next episode we split it yeah Next episode, we'll have watched season two, and the focus is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be on the overall themes, some of the things that I feel like are the overall themes of the show, and we're going to do a bit of a character focus, so I'll invite our listeners to kind of do that along with us. As you as you watch this, pick a character and see what the show is trying to say about the themes of love and selfishness and friendship. Uh, through the lens of that character, and then uh, when we uh, when we get back together for our next Toradora episode, we're gonna talk about um, we're we're gonna take a take a little bit where each of us can talk about um, uh, can bring up a specific character that we want to break down as a group. I've already decided to do the parrot. Yes, oh, that'd Inko, be good. Inko Chan is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's okay. Deep. So this this goes without saying, but we blow everything out of the water vis-a-vis spoilers on this podcast. I have never made a more stern or impassioned plea to our listeners to just go actually watch something before we start talking about it, because I'm about to regularly begin using the words "palm top tiger," and you all absolutely need to know what that means if you're going to listen to this episode. So I would really recommend people watch this. Um, which is not where I thought I would land on this. Uh, but yeah, with that <laughs> disclaimer out of the way, let's get to it. 
Yeah. Um, for reference for our listeners, if you're about to check out now and go watch it, it's on a streaming service called Verve. It's on Crunchyroll and it's on Amazon Prime Video. Or if you want to, uh, if you want to buy it, the whole series is gonna run you like close to a hundred dollars on DVD and Blu-ray. What? I really wanted this, you guys. I oh wanted my god! For a long time. Apparently, this game I just got approved for a new it. credit card. What am I saying out here? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Get one of those in the mail, like at least twice a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I the first thing I wanted to kind of get out of the way because I think there was something verging on the brink of debate uh, before we started recording here, but uh, on this topic, uh, it's hard to place this show in a single genre. What would you guys call it, and why? Because I, I can give you a, I can give you guys a list of the. Uh, of the different genres that I could say it fits into, but I'm really not sure what I would say is the definitive genre. Of it's a rom-com. It, it's a rom-com. It's a high school comedy. There's a little bit of slice of life in there. Um, it is definitely, uh, it is definitely at a certain point a harem. <laughs> That's true. It is one of those for a minute there. For, for a little bit. Um, no, I, I think, Okay. So I'm going to compare it to two movies that I absolutely love, uh, which are Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, and both of these movies um, are technically... You forgot the one we're living in right now, which is Spider-Man Stay at Home. Yes. Um, I've seen great movie posters for that. Uh, no joke, they're probably fan-made, but it's uh, Peter in his homemade suit sitting at his laptop uh, just <laughs> doing stuff. Can, can we get Very Tom good. Holland just live... Uh, just live blogging uh, once a week as um, in in the Peter Parker persona, talking about quarantine. That's very good. That would be really funny because those movies don't do that, and like all of the other Spider-Man movies start out with him live blogging a narration. <laughs> like, anyway, we diverged wildly. Yeah, no. What I, what I want to say is though, those are technically superhero movies, but really, uh, what they are. Yeah. Is that like word technically was doing a lot of work in that sentence, bud? They're super superhero <laughs> movies, right? But but the plot of them isn't your typical superhero film. It's a uh, typical like high school uh, story, like where it's like a teenage like rom com or coming of age story that also happens to be a superhero story. And the superhero story is the is the flavoring on the dish, like the unique spin on it. But like. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing in those movies is, like, the first one is Peter just really wants to go to Homecoming with this girl. Like, that's a high school movie. That Then he's also a superhero on top of that. And that's what I would say Toradora is kind of. Like, it's specifically a rom-com with all of these other genres sprinkled on top of it to make it pop and be interesting. Okay. I, I, can, I can get on board with that. Logan, do you have anything to add there? Where would you place uh, this show? I have nothing to add that will be formative or useful, but I will say this. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't have things to say. I will add that um, I've been watching, uh, prior to this, I watched a good amount of How I Met Your Mother, and this is basically just How I Met Your Anime Mother. Like, I want somebody to look me dead in the eye and tell me that Ami is not just Barney Stinson. I want somebody to do it. <laughs> and you won't be able to because they're the same character. I've um, only seen one episode of How I Met Your Mother, and I full-heartedly agree with you. Okay. Maybe, um, maybe I'll watch that next instead of re-watching Toradora. We may just have to talk about the time. platinum rule. <laughs> Yeah, How I Met Your Mother's hit or miss, but and it certainly hasn't aged well in all of its places. But um, <laughs> this is definitely How I Met Your Anime Mother, or as I was spitballing earlier and trying to come up with a good way to phrase this, um, How I Met My Waifu, maybe? I don't know um, what this as, is. As, uh, as newly minted Toradora fans, you guys should be aware of a phrase. Okay. It's Toradorable. Yeah, I knew that phrase. That, that is the phrase which is used to describe you know the us the this cute show and then also taiga sorry Asaka i was just engraving that to the internet is, <laughs> yes it's, she is tor adorable she taiga is tor adorable okay so if taiga were real and i weren't married 
Wait, what? <laughs> this just took what? a weird turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg, please bring us you, back. You are now guy. listening to the Waifu podcast. <laughs> yeah. oh, you can man. call me what a weeb. What, what, no, what, um, have we, what have we So on, on, on that note, though, um, I Logan did uh, text us earlier this week and say, uh, and I quote, I need you all to know that I would take a literal bullet for Taiga Isaka. That is all. I want you all to know I stand by that. <laughs> I, I you watched what, I agree... like half an episode? <laughs> hey, you know what? When you know, you know, all right? <laughs> I, I have to say I'm probably there with you. I would definitely take a bullet, and most definitely for the, uh, for the Taiga Ryuji ship. Um, I would take a bullet to protect that. Um, yeah, but so a little a little background. <laughs> I sent that text right after she kicked the pole like a trillion times. I think it's in the first or second episode. She gets so mad mm-hmm. that she kicks up a, a streetlight, and then after kicking it for like five minutes, she looks at Ryuji and is like, "Did we bend it?" And he's like, "No." And then he's like, "Wait, actually." And then she like celebrates because. Her life is a mess, but she bent the pole, so she's very happy. And I was yep. like, you know what? We stand a queen, all right? <laughs> like, yep. Freaking, sometimes things don't go your way. You just got to kick a pole. Yep. Um, Nathaniel was trying to get the, the ship name out, and I don't think he's realized that Toradora is the ship name. No, I know that that's the ship name. Okay. I don't think you do. Think about it. It's the ship name. It's in the first episode. Tiger, dragon. Is it yeah, Tora I, I, is tiger? Tora is tiger. Dora is for dragon, like, like a, like a Japanese sort of English pronunciation of the English word dragon. <laughs> that's that's where it comes from. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, but so on this extended tangent kind of note, who are your guys' favorite characters so far? I mean, Taiga. I mean, yeah, we just, like, read the thing, like, I would <laughs> yeah, like, take a literal Taiga. bullet for Taiga. Like, I'm sorry, like, every, everything else in this is just background. This is all about Taiga <laughs> for me. She's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so, we're going to talk about this character in depth later. Uh, so, I don't want to cover it too much now, but we're putting a pin in this. I really like Mr. Isaka. Not as a person, I'm assuming. No, we'll put a pin in this and we'll come back to it. Yeah, I was like, maybe like as a self-esteem boost, I guess. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I'm a pretty good dad. <laughs> Not, yes, to feel our way anytime Tyga's, I see something Tyga's like Tyga's dad sucks. Yep. Um, on the other hand, uh, I really like uh, Yasuko, um, Ryuji's mother. Yeah, she's good. Oh, man. She's a I, hot mess. If we want to talk about, like, the the best moms in anime she makes it on the list for me because she isn't dead she isn't dead yes and she sacrificed pretty much her entire life and is continuing to like sacrifice uh-huh. her entire life for uh for making sure that uh ryuji has uh, what he needs has what he needs and has a chance at a better future well and even though she's kind of a child in a lot of ways like as far as like her emotional maturity uh, when it comes to, like, what it takes to be a mom, she definitely has hit the most important quality. Um, which is really cool. Sorry, uh, are you just gonna leave us hanging and guessing on what the most important quality of motherhood is? Oh, uh, <laughs> trying to make your children's life actively better and doing what it takes for that. I thought oh, because gotcha, Greg gotcha, had covered gotcha, that, gotcha, we... Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, um, I'm still quite confused. The, uh... There's surprisingly little, like, um, there's surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, there is little parental involvement in most animes of this type of general, uh, general genre, like, the, the high school anime usually doesn't involve the parents very much, sometimes they're, sometimes they're, like, uh, sometimes the students are living alone, sometimes you just never see their parents, or hardly ever see their parents, but it's uh it's cool to get it's cool that they brought in complex family dynamics in a very mm-hmm. real feeling way um to this uh to this show i mean some sometimes the the 
misadventures of the show are ridiculous. But as far as, like, making a real-feeling family-slash-high school experience, like, portraying that, uh, portraying that across the show, I feel like they hit it right on the head. Well, it's... I can explain why parents don't usually feature it in this. Um, okay. In these kinds of stories. Um, it's really easy. Parents are inconvenient for storytelling. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the whole reason. The first thing I just thought of is Winnie the Pooh, and I think I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, look at how many, uh, in the fantasy genre specifically, but uh, how many stories start off with, like, a, a kid who is going to be a hero who is raised by some distant relative or is an orphan or, or, or. And, like, I don't know about you, but, like, growing up, I didn't know that many orphans. Like, it wasn't a thing. Like, yo, I played Persona 5, and there is one, count it, one child in that game with a present parent, and they have daddy issues. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Persona 5 is basically as anime as you can get without without playing Personas 1 through 4. Yeah, when when they were coding Persona 5... They set the variable for anime just all the way up. <laughs> like it's just a no middle slider, just increase. all the way. Exactly. <laughs> they exactly. got everything from the they got everything from the Ghibli cat bus up to yep. well, like even in Pokemon, like a... which is supposed to be a lighthearted show. Like you've got Ash Ketchum, who's like mom gives him a rat and sends him out the door. I know she technically doesn't give him the rat, but, like, still. Yeah, well, that like, makes Miss- it worse, dude. <laughs> it doesn't make it better. And so, like, she's still there. Like, she'll show up in the occasional movie. Uh, <laughs> she's like, that rat, Professor Oak, he seems pretty trustworthy. He can take care of my kids. <laughs> that rat that hates you? Because <laughs> you'd remember Pikachu hates Ash in the first couple episodes. Um, but, no, uh, and... Or, like, Brock even, like, his dad just, like, is gone, so and he's a gym leader, but then, like, his dad shows up to take care of the kids so he can go off on his adventure. Like, parents are inconvenient Look, to storytelling we, is the decision. We stand a dad who comes to take care of his kids so that his son can go on womanizing adventures. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, see my thesis, Brock is also Barney Stinson. <laughs> just a less successful version of Barney Stinson. Not by much. <laughs> So, I I feel like this is a good transition point since we have circled back to Barney Stinson to um. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I'll take I just a second had caffeine, one more. which is a bad idea because I don't handle any kind of uh, I don't handle any amount of caffeine well. <laughs> well, also we're recording like three or four hours later than we normally do. It's like past midnight. I'm pretty sure. It is. We've broken yeah. the midnight threshold. Yeah. And given that Greg um, and I are both parents who usually go to bed at, you know, earlier hours. Yeah, I go to bed at nine every well, night. Well, maybe not why you, I'm Greg. Made... You do stay up later, but... No, I stay up later. But this is getting close to your bedtime. I've... Yes, my child does not like to... Uh, until recently, my child has not liked to sleep at normal times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's why this podcast has been mainly jokes. I, If I can actually lend support to something Nathaniel said about yeah. parents being inconvenient for storytelling. I, I'm just trying to think, like, what if Tyga's pre- parents were actually like, present in this? I think about the episode where um, she's concerned about being flat-chested, and so Ryuji shows bra inserts for her. Can you imagine her mother being like, I'm sorry, he's doing what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't think that would fly very well. Or like when, that you, really when kind you protect of... her at the pool, like, you yeah. know that the mob's going to hear about that. And that, that deflates three episodes, no pun intended. Like, there's so, just like... yeah. The plot is just gone. The wind is out of those sails. So, um, or like the whole beach house episode. Later on in the later on in the show, um, you do get to meet uh, Taiga's mom, and she's actually kind of cool. And I I'm debating about whether she's like as a character, not as a not as a person. As a person, she's kind of a mess too. But um, go figure. (laughs) uh, Everybody as a show man. Yeah everybody but as a character she's actually kind of cool and i'm debating about talking about her for our next episode for for my character pick um but i'll just put a pin in that um her mom is an interesting character um but let's continue on the parent thing i'd like to talk about mr isaka taiga's uh taiga's dad and um 
and basically, I mean, we already got the initial impression out of the way. He is a horrible human being. Um, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, terrible. But what do you guys, uh, what were you guys' impressions about, um, about how, like, what, what was the show trying to tell us about, uh, about its overall themes of, uh, love and selfishness and friendship and things like that? Well, let, let's stick with love and selfishness. What do you think the show was trying to tell us with Mr. Aisaka? Because he, um, he is one of the most selfish characters in the show. I mean, I would say up to this point, he's been the most selfish character. Yeah, he may be well, the most selfish character in the whole show. Hey, hey, let's step aside from my hot takes. But first, let's talk about how much of a dirtbag this guy is. But I think there's some other really, really selfish characters in this. But it's all in connection to the Mr. Isaka thing. Okay. So let's talk about him first, and then we'll, we'll make way for my takes. I think okay. Ryuji's the most selfish. That's the, that's the stinger. Huh, and we'll okay. elaborate on that in a minute. So... I said earlier that I think that uh, he's one of my favorite characters, Mr. Isaka is. Um, and I said that we'd put a pin in it until we came back here. I'd like to defend that claim now. Okay. Um, he, he fills an interesting niche in the story. Because usually in a story, there's... Obviously, you're protagonists. And then there's something that they're in conflict with. And usually that's the antagonistic force. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions to this. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, for example, makes really great use of the concept of the self as the antagonist with Aang's inner struggles. Um, and the movie Castaway makes great use of man versus nature, like just trying to survive. Um but Mr. Isaka doesn't actually fit the role of an antagonist, in my opinion. Because he's not something for Taiga and the other characters to overcome. He's just a terrible human being who makes her life worse. She doesn't have to overcome him, per se, for the story to move forward. He's going to come in like a hurricane, wreck her whole world, and leave. And that's it. And that's so cool, storytelling-wise, because it's so contrary to how we normally do things. Like, in a lot of shows, we would need to go confront him once he's done the terrible things. But that doesn't happen this season. It might happen next season, but it doesn't seem like that's the direction the show is headed to me. It just seems like he's just gone, and we know that at some point he's probably going to show back up, try to do this all over again, and this is just a cycle she's kind of going to be stuck in. But hopefully her friends will be able to help her from keep from getting back into it. And it's cool to see that it's about the friendships growing and developing around this cataclysmic event, rather than trying to stop or prevent it in some way. Yeah. The Sorry, go ahead, Logan. I was going to say, I even question the cataclysmic nature of it, right? Like, uh, like when you watch what happens in that terrible, terrible final episode that's so good, um, you see, like, immediately you see her, like, go through, like, some serious pain when her dad doesn't show up. Mm -hmm. But then you see her adjust to, like, a, a kind of weird normalcy, right? She, she, I mean, if we look at this in the, the perspective of this is her plot, is her warming up to people, maybe this is a step backwards, but she kind of becomes her normal punchy self again, right? Mm -hmm. And she says in that episode, which, I, I mean, it's the last one I saw, so I don't know if we can take it at face value, but she's seems pretty clear when she's like, he does this all the time, guys. Like, um... And Minari says something really interesting, which is that she wants people to talk good about her dad, right? Even though, like, she gets super mad at Ryuji when he does it, she actually didn't tell Minarin about it this time because she wants people to talk good about him. Because even though it happens over and over again, she kind of, like, 
wants like part of her wants to give him the benefit of the doubt right so like yeah he's a terrible dirtbag but i question how cataclysmic the event actually is right because it's kind of business as usual a little bit at this point yeah like, that's why the, she hates him yeah near the end of that episode too she also kind of makes the statement in her in her internal internal monologue where she says um where she says i don't need anybody to get me back on my feet i'm going to paraphrase here because i'm sure i'm going to get it wrong i don't need anybody to get me back on my feet guys i can survive on my own mm-hmm. um which is a which is a really strong statement like she she obviously like on screen she's showing that she's like she's touched by uh Minorin and uh ryuji trying to make her feel better Beating up the whole school to make her feel better. Beating up the whole. Let's, school let's to not make her let's better. not undersell this. Um, yeah, she's she's definitely touched by that, but um, but she she's just kind of sitting there calmly, and she basically mentally takes a deep breath and says, "Guys, thank you, but I can survive on my own. I will be okay." Which is which a is really strong a, statement. Sorry, go ahead. Which is such a contrast too, because especially when you look at like Ami and like the. The, the constant struggle between the tiger and the chihuahua mm-hmm. um her constant like accusation <laughs> that she keeps leveling at taiga is that she's like codependent or really needy or that she's too reliant on ryuji right yeah but actually like what you see there is that like she actually like regardless of like the emotional health that we could maybe talk about and be like hey it's probably not that healthy to say you're gonna do everything on your own it does kind of show that like at least in her head, like, emotionally she is a little more in- independent than she maybe gets credit for at other parts in the show. Yeah. I mean, she was living on her, like, living on her own for a good, uh, for a good while before the show even starts. Yeah. She is Not one of those well, anime children. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I also want to talk about with Mr. Isaka. I don't think he means to do what he does. Well, that's the... Can I jump in here? That's that's part of what makes him such a realistic feeling, like, problem character, is because in in relationships like the one they're depicting here, this is kind of a, a really true-to-life scenario. This mm-hmm. is something that's very plausible. Like, love for a family member is not a simple thing. We touched on that with Taiga earlier um where she doesn't want people to think and talk bad about her dad even though she knows how big of a like even though she has no illusions about how bad of a person he is she still loves him Mm -hmm. and love isn't a love especially uh for a family member is not a simple thing and i i would say he does in you know the the stunted awful way that he seems to know how really care for his daughter but he only wants to care about her on his own terms um which is which is a really believable scenario um yeah for for a neglectful parent to like portraying a neglectful um a neglectful controlling parent like that's a really real scenario they they um care about their child but in this really stunted controlling um emotionally abusive way well something that i think uh is interesting there are two things i kind of want to highlight uh, the first red flag for me about him was when she was getting the texts from him and her bank account was empty yeah that was the first one that i went Ooh. uh but i didn't take it as too much of a red flag relatively speaking because they kind of hmm well, they, how how have they portrayed uh, Taiga up to this point? Like, she's a great character, but she's obviously willful and and angry all the time. Yeah. And we have no context for, as the audience, we have as much context as Ryuji had for right. how um, bad her home life is. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that she always says she left her family. Right. Right? Not that her dad is never showing up, which is actually what it is. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I want to highlight with that, the reason it didn't go off as much of a red flag to me as it would have in maybe another show, this is also the kind of show where, like, Ryuji at one point does shove her up against a wall and basically tells her to listen, 
Which, in my mind, is, like, a bad guy thing to do, like, to forcibly hold somebody against a wall and tell them to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, folks at home, don't do that. That's bad. Um, but that's also something people in real life do. Um, like, the show hasn't decided to make its characters who you want, who they want us to like. They haven't decided to make them squeaky clean and, like, perfect. They've decided to put some, like, real ugly flaws in there that, you know, sometimes show up in just little instances and sometimes show up in bigger instances. And so the fact that, like, a character we haven't met yet is doing something kind of ugly and nasty, I go, I kind of went, well, maybe this is just part of their base personality and maybe they're actually an okay person overall and this is just one negative trait the writers are choosing to highlight. The other thing that's kind of weird about this show is, like, it's hard to, like, judge responses. <laughs> because this is a show where <laughs> Taiga repeatedly just, like, beats the tar out of Ryuji. Like, that president is set super strongly when <laughs> she breaks into his house with a samurai sword in the very first episode. <laughs> um, man, what a vibe, huh? She puts a hole in his wall with a wooden samurai sword. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I almost, like, spoiled stuff from season two. You, Poof. You dare. So, no no spoilers for season, for season two, but think back on what you've already seen, and as, as you go forward into season two, notice how many times the camera, and, I mean, partially it's probably just, partially it's done for dramatic effect, and partially it's done to save animating time, but notice how it many times the camera you. focuses on the little repair he did. In uh, yeah. after she poked a hole through the uh, through the paper door, he he did a repair with the uh, with the envelope from the love letter, and patched it in the mm. shape of a patched it in kind of like a the shape of like a cherry blossom uh, petal. Mm, that's interesting. I actually had never seen that. <laughs> I miss it every single time. There's one more thing. Up a lot. <laughs> There's one more thing. I'll watch like for it. Highlight with uh, Mr. Isaka, and then I think we can move off of him. I said earlier that I think that he doesn't mean to do what he does. I don't think he means to be neglectful. Because, gosh, it's a lot of trouble to hire a moving company to start to move the furniture. Just to, like, say, oh, change of plans, you're not moving in. Like, either that's ridiculously manipulative on a level that I don't think this show is trying to ascribe... Or it's, you know, he's just really wealthy and, like, isn't cut out for parenting. Like, when I say that, I mean that he he doesn't feel cut out for parenting. And when it gets too hard for him to handle parenting on top of his work responsibilities, he gives up on parenting. But I don't think he means to. No no spoilers for season two, but that that is accurate. I won't tell you why, but you'll you'll hear it. Yeah, he seems like he actually has good intentions. Well, I don't know about the good intentions part, but the thing about work is definitely true. Oh, well. Yeah, but I was going to say, <laughs> but it seems like he has no follow-through. Like, he just can't do it. And I've met people like that. People who make promises start to go through with them, and then life comes up, and they just can't keep their promises anymore. There's lots of people in the world like this, and they're not feels necessarily... like a call out about my editing schedule. I got to be honest. <laughs> it's I <laughs> promise that was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, but uh, like this, like even Logan, you just pointed out though that with your editing schedule, you do this. Like people do this. This is a thing people do, and some people do it to lesser and greater degrees. Um, and the people who tend to be in parental roles who fail to keep promises to their children. Um, it's very noticeable to the children and has a deep impact on them. And usually it's not as big as, like, you're going to move back in with me. Um, but that does exist. Yeah. I I did want to mention one more thing because I think it'll lead into um, uh, Logan, how you wanted to bring up some of the other characters who were more selfish. Let's let's talk about Ryuji in relation to Mr. Isaka. Mm. His, his key thing is that, I mean... And he realizes this in that moment when his temper just like overflows, and he uh, and he lets it get get the best of him, and he just pins Taiga up against a wall and yells at her. Um, he uh, his big thing is his dad is never coming back. Like his dad mm -hmm. is dead, and he just wishes that he even had some kind of 
Wait, some kind is that of death. his dad? Uh, I must yeah, have they, missed that. They, yeah. Guess the but, magazines didn't save him. Bummer. <laughs> nope, I guess not. I, th- I thought his dad was in prison. Was his dad not a serial killer? No. Oh, he just looked like one then, huh? Yeah. His, yeah. His dad, oh. um... Uh, so dreamy. Uh, Ryuji is supposed to look like a thug or a, or like a mafioso, is basically he the idea. He totally does. Yeah. Wait until you see him in a... Oh, wait. You you guys saw the... No, the makeup wait. from the culture festival? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the wrestling wait, show? Wait, wait until you see him in a suit, though. Like a business suit, oh, like a like a sharp looking suit. He oh. he looks like a mafioso. That's very good. Um, anyway, so he his big thing is that he wishes he could have any kind of connection, uh, connection like that. And he realizes it in that moment. His internal monologue goes, "Wait, am I really doing this for Taiga's own good, or am I doing this because of me?" Well, and I think that question is actually. It's a false dichotomy. He's he's asking himself to pick one or the other. When really it's probably both. Like, he probably legitimately does want Taiga to be happy and have good family relations. Because he thinks that'll make her happy. But, like, he is trying to live vicariously through her, too. Yeah. Well, he's also not trusting her, which is something mm. that... Uh, which is something that you know, they were building in their relationship up to this point was a lot of trust and um, openness with each other. And then he's just, like, saying, I know what's best for you, when clearly he doesn't, and clearly she does actually know what's best for her. Yeah, but people in relationships do this all the time. Like, people in relationships assume they know what's best for the other person. What I thought was interesting, too, is that she never, when she's getting mad at him, she's never like, you're wrong about him, right? She never says that. She's never like, I can't believe like you're taking a side on this, like you're wrong. What she always says is, like, you're supposed to be, like, you're not supposed to care how he feels right now, right? Yeah. Like, why do you care how my dad feels? Like, you're, you're supposed, supposed to, to care, care about me. How yeah. I feel. Well, and it's and interesting it's really... that she doesn't tell him the most crucial bits of evidence here. That this is what her dad does. Well, yeah, she doesn't want to talk bad about him either very much. And and more importantly, I, I honestly think that those don't matter. Right? Like, the entire time, she's not looking for somebody to say, fix things with her dad. She's got a voice inside of her telling her to do that already. Yeah. Right. Right. She's looking for somebody to say, in, in essence, hey, I see that this is really hard for you. Like... Maybe we can build to this over time, but like let's take a breather from it now and we can we can deal with it when the time is right, you know? Yeah. Not somebody to say like, no, you have a chance to fix this, fix it now. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's interesting that the person who sheds the clearest light on it, besides, you know, Mr. Isaka himself by being a dirtbag, um, is Ryuji's mom when she says, I just think he's really selfish. Yeah. <laughs> and like you know, that's something that I don't think Ryuji should have thrown away so easily because she works in a service industry where she deals with a lot of very selfish people. Like, she knows what selfishness looks like better than anybody else in the show, I would imagine. Yeah. And so when she says, like, my gut impression is he's selfish. like or, Whereas she herself, um, in my opinion, is probably the most selfless person. Yeah. In the story. I like, think that's a fair assessment. Most likely she's most likely From she's the see. most selfless. And this this really gets highlighted in the finale of the show, so I gotcha. won't get into it, but you you find out how much she how much she gives up for other people and how how often she puts herself on the line. And she does have her selfish moments, like as a character, she does actually have some uh some pretty selfish off the wall moments, but um, they're, uh, the way that she, uh, the way that she cares for others and, um, the way that she cares for others and then goes out of, goes out of her way to make sure things work out mm-hmm. is, uh, in my opinion, makes her one of the most selfless characters in the show. Well, like the way that she just adopts Taiga, basically, like, she's like, 
I mean, like, her dad's not part of her life, but we are. Like, she has taken, like, a motherhood role over Taiga. The yep. other thing that's really cool, too, is is she has, like, a lot of really... She has a really high emotional intellect, right? Yeah. Like, one day, like, one of the episodes, Taiga's food is just wrapped up on the table because she never came to eat it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she, she says, oh, she didn't come, right? Because Ryuji can't sleep. He's up doing the dishes. And yeah. So yep. when his mom comes back in, he's like, she didn't come, huh? And he's like, yeah, no. And she's like, are you two fighting again? And he's like, yeah. She said she didn't, like, care about me, right? And his mom's <laughs> like, oh, she's just the girl who says the opposite of what she means, right? Which is a thing people do sometimes, right? She like, really I definitely... doesn't hate your guts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One, and, one of and my like... favorite Yasuko lines. She really doesn't hate your guts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it's like, but it's, it's super insightful, right? Mm-hmm. For her to be like, look, I... Like, I, um, this is that what I see, right? So I think that that's, like, I think that's pretty cool. One thing that I think is, like, to talk more about characters and selfishness, I say Ryuji's pretty selfish, not just because of, like, the Mr. Isaka stuff, which is pretty jacked up. Like, he clearly has some stuff he needs to sort out. But also, I think a lot about, like, his relationship to Taiga and, like, the way in which... Like, so, I know I just spun the take that, like, a while ago that, like, Taiga comes off as, like, kind of emotionally independent. But, like, there is kind of, like, a concerning dynamic between those two, right? (laughs) Which is to say that, like, she is, like, constantly, like, he does everything for her, right? They joke several times in the show about them having the same lunches, right? Yep. Um... Because he is he's constantly doing everything for her, right? And, like, on, on the one hand, I, I see what, like, the show is trying to do here. It's, like, trying to paint him as, like, a really super supportive friend. And he is that, right? But also, on the other hand, um, like, I think about the way that he, like, weirdly interacts with some of his friends. Like, he, like wakes up before everybody on beach day so that he can make all of the food so that they can spend all day at the beach. And it's just like, what are you trying to, like, especially in that case where, like, Minorine really wants to help him, right? Like, she wakes up and she's like, whoa, you did this all by yourself? Like, I wanted to help you with this. And he's like, nah, I got it. Or, like, when everybody goes down to the beach and he's, like, cleaning the house by himself. But then he right? asks himself, and he's like, <laughs> what, what am, am I doing? I doing? <laughs> Right, but he doesn't go down. No, yeah. he doesn't. So can I can I jump in on the on that interaction with uh, with him and Minorine? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, so the with with Taiga being Minorine's best friend, um, and uh, and them developing this uh, Ryuji and Taiga developing this close relationship where they communicate a lot. Um, uh, Taiga makes it a point to point out how problematic and selfish uh, Yuji's perspective of Minorine is, which I think is a really cool thing that the show does. Is that the show like starts like points that out through Taiga to not only Ryuji but to the audience, like the way that he's interacting interacting with her, this infatuation that he has is not really about Minorine; it's about right. her. Or it's not about her. It's not about Minorine. It's about, it's about him. him, which is uh, not only super true to life from my experience as far as high school crushes and stuff like that goes, but it's um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely cool that to me anyway that the show uh, that the show deals with this. Um, what did you guys think? Well, my parents have. Uh recently been talking a lot about this concept that they have about love where there are a couple of different stages of love as far as they're concerned and the first is i love being around this person because of how this person makes me feel when i am around them and as far as my parents are concerned while that's usually a stage people have to go through it's also the most selfish form of love because it's not about the other person actually it's all about how the self feels And on the opposite end of that spectrum, 
is um, I love this person no matter what, whether or not I feel good around them. I still love them and I care about them and I want their happiness to exist. Um, which, of course, can uh, very easily lead to some very serious and damaging relationship and uh, personal health problems. Um, but I think there is something to be said about that where, I mean, both Taiga and Ryuji have these crushes on these characters that they don't know anything about. Like, they're just cute faces that they become friends with, and the more they start to learn about them, the more the fit just seems wrong. <laughs> One yeah. thing that I really like about this show is <laughs> they have this moment where it's it's in the beach episode, and they're in the room, and she... <laughs> She literally, he's sitting on the floor, she's on the couch behind him, and she has her feet on his back, right? And she yep. keeps, like, poking him and bumping him, and she starts talking, and she's like, she's like, you know, I was with, again, dude who's such a square, I can't even remember his name. Kitamura. The, Kitamura. What's his first name, though? Maruo. Oh, yeah, okay, they always call him Kitamura then. Yeah. That's why I can't remember his name. Yeah, his first um, name's Maruo, and the only people who call him that are the are the uh, two girls who are um, Ami's friends. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so so she's really into Kitamura, and she's talking, and she's like, you know, I just spent all day with him, and I had nothing to say. Like, it was, like, super uncomfortable. And then she's like, but with you, it's, like, really easy. And then she says, like, think about it. Like, we're in this huge room and I'm sitting right next to you, right? And because um, Ryuji's literally dense as bricks, he's like, <laughs> he's like, what? What do you what do you mean? What are you trying to say? And she's like, I guess nothing. <laughs> and then she says, she says something really interesting that I took note of. Um, she says, we really need to, essentially, we really need to try harder to get with these people, because this is right after they have the dream about them being married. They both have <laughs> the same dream the same night. We gotta blow this out. We gotta blow this off of the hinges. Greg's got a question in here about what our favorite scene is. That is mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great pick. Oh, is that so dream good. scene? Just because so, it's so good. On, so if on we're the, on this, this is my scene. This big room scene. Yeah, it's a really good one. This Sorry, room scene ahead. is great. Um, so, oh, oh no, go go ahead. I'll I'll tell mine afterwards. Okay. So, but what she says is is essentially we really need to try harder on this dating other people thing. Otherwise, our future won't change. <laughs> so, so what she actually says is she's like, in that room scene, she says, I think about that dream I had. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't seem so. And then because, again, he's literally, he has a brick between his ears. He's like, doesn't seem so what? Oh, man, dude. Ugh, I could rave again. You'll, you'll, I'll let you do your scene, and then I'll come back to another scene that I hate. That is just, dude, this guy has just nothing but cotton between his ears. It drives me crazy. He's absolutely insufferable. Um, but um, what? And then later she says, "If we don't like act fast, our future won't change." So I, I love this relationship. Is like we both dreamed we're going to be together, and we've accepted that this is a bygone conclusion unless we act quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, so different from, like, the first episode. I mean, it's not different from the first episode. The first episode, you see these two interact, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, the, this is great. Like, these two really hit it off, right? Mm -hmm. um, but constantly, they're they're swimming upstream. They're constantly battling against fate, and I think that's really interesting. Anyway, I talked about that scene for too much, but but Greg, what's what's yours? So my favorite scene for just pure ship value in the in the first season is the end of the pool arc when Ryuji is knocked unconscious underwater and he's pulled out and he comes to and Taiga is uh Taiga is like kneeling across him warding everybody off warding everybody off and she just uh, including the lifeguard including the lifeguard and she's just chewing them out ripping them a new one and she just screams Ryuji is mine and I'm just like every time I every time I see that I'm just like yes well <laughs> it's the OTP good, <laughs> it's true it's a good scene too because like 
it's a weird thing for her to say, right? Yeah. But it's also not because she spends the entire show calling him her, her or calling her him her dog, yep. right? He's and like, everyone like, knows it. And I own you. But then, like, the way she says it that time is, like, like he's mine. Like, stay away from him. None well, of you even care about But then him, Ami right? confronts her about it later. And she's like, <laughs> and yep, she's like, I totally said that. <laughs> he's my dog. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because, like, have you guys ever confronted anybody about something they said? Yes. And then they'll restate it when you confronted about them in a totally different tone or manner. And by doing that, it has a totally different meaning. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we all had parents, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> this isn't Toradora. We all have parents. <laughs> I feel like you guys are sharing some common childhood experiences, like, in, and I'm just outside that dynamic, so. <laughs> oh, nice, Maybe inside joke. Not, I love Maybe this. it's not as universal as I thought it was. I just assumed all parents did that. Um, I mean, I I can't think of a moment when my parents did that, but I can definitely think of uh, think of lots of times when teachers did that. It, oh, mostly, sure. Mostly because I was probably pretty unsu- insufferable in Wait, school. How many fights did you get in with teachers where you like threw things back in their face? He just said he was pretty insufferable. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like that's a lot. Te- teachers don't. Uh, teachers don't like. Uh, don't like students who both feel like uh, who both have a very high opinion of themselves academically and feel like they know everything and seem to kind of you know back it up as far as how they do on their assignments (laughs) yeah my my elementary my elementary education was not very challenging and that might have been because i started it in i started it in a state where uh the education system was very good and ended it in a state where the education system is, you know, doing its best with the number of students. <laughs> We're not mentioning either of those states by name right now, are we? Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was Minnesota and, uh, and Utah. Oh, well, yeah, I guess well, we are. Oh, I'll, I'll do it. I, I think, I think the Utah school system does the best that it can under the, under the circumstances in which it finds itself. But anyway, oh my gosh, guys, yeah. we are almost out of time. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Can I share one more scene? Sure. You have this is just thirty seconds. Them... Okay. It made me super <laughs> mad when they were in the dressing room picking out swimsuits, and she pulled Ryuji in and was like, "None of these swimsuits fit." And he's like, "This one looks your size." And she's like, "None of these swimsuits fit." And he's like, "What do you mean?" And then like the entire next half an hour is him just trying to figure out that she's flat chested. And then when she finally tells him, he's like, "You're kidding." What is with this guy? Anyway, <laughs> you cannot figure him out. He's just there's nothing but pasta inside of his brain. Like, it's astounding. Anyway, anyway, no, well, I digress. You know what's going on was... with Ryuji's brain? He just loves cleaning things so much that he completely cleaned in between his ears. <laughs> <laughs> that is a strong possibility. He's like, dang mold. <laughs> Got to get anyway, all the that, wax out. That was Even my gray wax. It drove me so crazy. I'm like, I mean, most of my friends are girls, so, like, maybe that's just something that, like, kind of naturally, like, I'm used to hearing people complain about that kind of problem. But I'm just like, how do you, it is, anyway, it's just like he, that is not the only time that he is blissfully dumb, but it was by far the most (laughs) poignant. He spent, like, 30 minutes just, like, really racking his brain, like, I cannot figure out what has got her so upset. It took it took Taiga eating uh, eating soybeans off of the eating dry soybeans off of the floor for him to figure it out. That's what I'm saying. Like what? <laughs> anyway, anyway, I digress. But okay, so we're we're gonna skip. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it next episode, depending on what we talk about. But I think we'll skip over the uh, arc. Uh, when Ami is first introduced to the show, and because that's the other intense portion, I feel like of the of the first season is this stalker she has. Um, but I I definitely love to hear what our viewers have to have to say about it. If anybody wants to send us a message on uh, on social media or reach out to our email at the tweeter at the tweeter, yeah, 
Um, but I, I don't think I have to ask if you guys liked it, but, um, if you guys liked this show, but I want to, I want to know what you're hoping for from the rest of the show. If this show does not have a happy ending, I'll collapse in on myself like a dying star. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I can offer you, I can offer you, um, like one, uh, one little reassurance, which is that that issue of, um of Ryuji doing everything for uh doing everything for Taiga. The show actually like has some stuff commenting on that as we go forward. This okay. this show literally like literally like covers all of like takes takes the time to examine all of the problematic thing the problematic things that its characters do and it's Well that's great. a relief. It was cute at first, but after a minute I was like, hey we hey guys. Guys he just walks into her room in the morning. That seems weird. Like, yeah. Who's, whose dog is whom, honestly? <laughs> he feeds her. He takes care of her space. Like, anyway. Well, anyway. it depends on whose dream it is who's wearing the dog's suit. <laughs> facts. Facts. Anyway, um, Nathaniel, what are you hoping for from the rest of the show? It's a dumb hope. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to get together by the last episode. Um, oh, I should have been more clear. If they do not, I will collapse in on myself like a dying star. <laughs> yeah, you guys, this this show gets intense in the last, like, at the point where Nathaniel's at with, like, six episodes left. This show gets intense the last, uh, the last few episodes. I'm still dealing with the Christmas party arc. That's where I'm at. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, dude, just wait until you learn about the Santa suit. Um, <laughs> wait until you see the second talk about dream. Their, we didn't even talk about their teacher, dude. And that's what I was going to say my hope is. I hope that their teacher finds somebody by the end of the show. I don't know that I do, but... Well, if you have managed to make it through all of our uh, Taiga fanboy and fangirling, I guess fanboying for all of us um if you've managed to make it through the incredible fandom of taiga for this long uh we really appreciate you sticking around next time if you couldn't tell we're gonna be talking about toradora season two again you can find this on crunchyroll vrv or i guess that people call that verve and amazon prime video um yeah so check it out if you somehow made it all the way through this without watching toradora season one there's really some stuff you gotta see I cannot recommend it highly enough. Just if you're one of those people who's like, but I don't really watch anime, and you're also one of those people who's like, I don't really play video games, hey, this is the time. Play Florence, play Gone Home, watch Toradora. Uh, we're inoculating you. Let's get into it. Um, but yeah, so we'll be, we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, if you wouldn't mind when you finish this podcast episode, if you like what you've heard, go ahead and like it and subscribe. If your podcast platform allows you to do that, they probably let you subscribe, right? Um, and tell your friends who might enjoy listening. We don't really advertise this, uh, which our analytics show. So if you like it and you want to share it with your friends, we would really appreciate that. Um, if you are new here, you just found us on the interwebs and you want to let us know, you can follow us at, uh, on Twitter at PeepThisNoise. Uh, you can also contact us at mail at PeepThisNoise.com. That's our email for people who still use uh, that form of communication. Every time I say that, I dunk on email, and I feel like I'm probably alienating somebody when I do that. <laughs> like, There's probably somebody out there who's like a huge email stan and is like, dude, what the heck is with this guy? Um, but yeah... Um, so yeah, there's uh, there's that. You can also find a little bit of, of writing. I'm working on getting some more of it up, but I'm slow at editing. Uh, you can find that at www.peepthisnoise.com. We occasionally put our takes up there. I'm really working on editing some stuff by Nathaniel right now that I hope to get up about Lord of the Rings that you all will really like. Um, yeah, Special thanks to Katie Davidson and the band Key Losers for letting us use our theme song, uh, which is Don't Know Why from the album California Light. I've plugged this album, uh, is this episode 11? It's at least 11 times now. Um, if you're not listening to me or the album, I suggest you do both. It's a great album. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it. Um, we're going to let those dulcet tones sing us on the way out, but thanks again for listening to Peep This Noise, and remember, everybody likes bad things. Open up your mind.